0: Like that. That doesn't mean that they failed.
1: When things get rough. Let me play my part
0: too. Late. So like, is that real? Did that happen? Like... The structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like... I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. Yeah. helpless little girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless. Because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to create change. You when you are going through these difficult times. I will say that this week has been one of the roughest weeks with my eating disorder in a long time. Yeah. And um, you want to, like, and I will talk about that when I go to my therapy session. But
1: You're I, honest about, hey, I, I fucked up this week or whatever. You just put it out there?
0: Mm-hmm. And I want, I want people to know that they sh- don't have to give up when things get rough or when they have engaged in symptom use more than they have in the past that doesn't mean that they've failed it just means that it's a road it's a road and like they always say recovery isn't linear it's all over the place
1: it's all over the place
0: and it circles twists turns roller coaster ride and it's important to just be honest because i know that honesty is the key to getting what the help you need and i know that i definitely need extra support this week and i and i know that because yeah. i know i had a rough few days yeah. and i want to make sure that others feel the same like feel similar in that it's okay to need that extra support and to reach out for it.
1: What's been some of the, what are you able or who are you able to lean on? Obviously you're very familiar with like the DBT survival skills and, and the things that get you through the moment. What are you able to lean on um, when you feel like there's not a lot of support around you to get yourself through? Like where do you find that internal strength and, and what's some of the external things that you lean on as well?
0: Um. Externally, I have a huge support system as far as um, professional staff, you know, I have great two therapists and an amazing advocate. And um, I go to this advocacy center, which is awesome. And they have been an extreme support in my life. And um, they have this hotline that's after hours and sometimes, you know, and on weekends, anytime. So I'll call and I'll just be able to talk. And it's not like um, where I can only talk about something, one thing specific, they actually are here to listen and they don't like just cut you off when they let you say, what skills can you use? You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Because I really am tired of hearing those things because I know what skills I can use. I just want someone to listen. And I feel like this advocacy center does a really good job at just listening. And I don't get that very often. Like you call crisis lines and all these things and they don't listen. This advocacy center is not necessarily a crisis line, but it is a place where you feel, I feel safe to talk to someone and to explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important that people have that and understand that it's okay to feel vulnerable and to feel sad, and they deserve the support they need. Right. I'll let them walk past for a minute here.
1: You might not want to get on the phone right here. We're recording. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Uh, I, I, uh, my English is not very well. Oh, it's okay. Uh, Recall, uh, um, so, it's a tape, uh, taping? Uh, yeah, oh, no, it's oh, sorry. tape. Sorry. Thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I felt like such an idiot. Like, I couldn't think of any hand signals. I, be, I just went like... <laughs> they got a smart person here to bridge um, the communication gap. Yeah. Okay. So, can we back up and talk about the album a little bit? Do you want to talk about music? Mm-hmm. I love music. You
0: like music. You like to sing? Yes, I do. Um... So this is really, um, it's hard for me lately, but I kind of, I'm losing my voice a lot because am not sure what it is. I do know part of uh, it is probably the bulimia, but I think a lot of it also is like um, allergies because my throat and my nose have been clogged often. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, i can't get an appointment until january but, <laughs> but um so America. Uh, i've been using um a lot of just like singing as something that is a release so that i'm not so like worried about like perfect notes or anything like yeah. that just let it out i used to be able to like sing a full song really well now i can barely get through part of it so because your really voice sounded cool. different
1: than the last time we met i was like oh, is she nervous about the interview? Or is, like... um, Are you just, like, literally having a cold, but not... It's making sense when you
0: say it's, like, all these things compounding together. Mm -hmm. And it's big because I've never thought that this would happen um, because my voice was something that I've always treasured. And I had had my first performance when I was 11, and I was like, yes, this is perfect. (laughs) Um, But, you know... I'm trying to accept the fact that it's just something that I do. And it's not like I lost it completely. I can carry a few notes. I just can't sing as long as I used to be able to sing. We'll
1: get it figured out. Yeah. So when you came across the Kelly Nicole Foundation, did you jump onto like iTunes or something and go straight to see, okay, what's this music? Or what, what was your process of figuring out who we are? Because I'm trying to figure out how to get a message out there. So knowing how it's received helps me a lot. I first
0: um, watched the documentary because I wanted to see um, exactly what she was about and um, what had happened. So I watched the documentary and I heard the music there, mm-hmm. part of it. So I was like, yeah, this sounds like relatable. So I went to iTunes and I downloaded the music from there. Thank you. Um, and I started... Like listening to it and a lot of the words like totally like resonated with me. Um, and there's just this one song that like is so powerful and it's so sad, but it's so powerful and so relatable that. I just sometimes when I'm feeling sad, I'll just put it on repeat. Um, Which song? The blood, the blood. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's like I can't imagine how that, how, how she wrote that. It's like oh my god, that's so powerful. Like, and explaining how she felt and what happened so deeply is like very brave and powerful. And I started writing again too. Really? Yeah. Nice. Um, because I realized that even though I may not necessarily be able to compose like um, music and sing it, lyrics are still very important and they mean things. So um, I got that from her song, especially that one. (laughs) Um, And I will always remember that part of the song.
1: I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's intense.
0: Yeah, and I was just like, I can't imagine how, how that, felt, um, and then I'm like, in my head, wait a second. It's possible that I, uh, it, it, it sparked a lot of like memories that I didn't think that would necessarily come up, and which of course
1: is not our intention. But that's just a human being expressing herself and, it, you know.
0: I actually think it's a good thing.
1: So you were saying you don't feel bad or, or like, annoyed or angry that it brought up memories for you? You feel like it's part of your, your path forward? Yes. Really? Yes. I can um, see a person getting like, oh, fuck, now I have to deal with this. I
0: was scared when they came up and I didn't want them to, but there's no blame on the this, this song. It's the blame of the fact that what the person did to me. It's So I just felt really scared, but I still treasure that song because it, it helps me realize that um, I'm not alone mm. and other people aren't alone. And I was also very sad for her and what her experience was.
1: And that was scary. Yeah. You mentioned when we sat down, something that clicks with me a lot, this idea of being around people who don't get what you're going through can feel even lonelier than solitude. Like, for me, solitude is my escape right now. I, like, I'll probably after this go to a state park or the Arboretum or something and just, like, get the last nice walk of fall in Minnesota this year. And, like, that'll be feeling less lonely than ever. But sometimes being around a big group of people and like having to make small talk, and what's new with you? I'm like, jeez, what's new with me? My fucking wife is dead. Like, I hate small talk. I hate it. It makes me, it's so much more stressful to be around people and try to put up that avatar and be relatable than to just have quiet. Can you tell me a little bit what it feels like to feel alone, surrounded by people?
0: It's very difficult because, you know, there's this expectation of, oh my goodness, we should have so much fun. And you know, there are times where I'm around a lot of people and I have fun. And well, that was my birthday. So, I mean, like, of course there was a party and a lot of things, you know, but um, it doesn't take away what you're going through. You know, being in a group is not going to take away what you're going through. It's a distraction. But um, even that distraction, although it may be healthy, your mind can still feel alone because like these people, even though they may be your closest friends and some of them may have gone through things, they don't understand specifically what you're going through or what you're dealing with Mm. because everyone's different. And so, it's just really hard to feel alone in a group of people because I want to be able to engage and I want to have fun. And I want to do things that a lot of other people do, but it's, it's hard because it takes up so much energy. And my energy is very low in general. Really? Yes, I have low energy all the time. And so in groups of people, it just makes everything more exhausting. Do you characterize yourself as an introvert? Partly. Sometimes? It's very interesting because I am part an introvert in that I like my alone time and I like being by myself, especially um, nighttime, like because of everything that goes on. Um, But I also like being around people and I would say that I used to be a lot more of an extrovert and I'm an extrovert in that I like talking with people and I like helping them but I also value individual like conversations so I wouldn't say that's more extroverted mm. I do like doing things that are extrovert extroverted like I like dancing um, I like going dancing but um I still would consider myself more introverted I wouldn't just Show up at a party and right. like where I didn't know anybody. You know what I mean? what's going on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about uh, disclosure, and some people have positive, supportive disclosure experiences. A lot of people have bad disclosure experiences. Have you had some of each, or what's what's that domain been like for you?
0: Um, my friends have been very um, supportive with what has been happening to me. And that they were, you know, believed me and they reassured me that what I was saying was true. However, with family, um, it's a little more difficult. Um, My dad didn't believe me. Um, My mom had trouble, but she's coming through. It's just very difficult and I didn't tell the rest of my family because it's just too much right now. And with the hard dynamics of like people involved and stuff and like the people that hurt me, it's just too much for that to be involved. It's like a very complex, complicated situation. Yeah so I didn't have good experiences there. And I definitely didn't have a good experience one time with a counselor. She really did a number on me because she called me these words that were very, very degrading and very upsetting to me. Um, And it wasn't fair. It was not fair because the people now that I see had told me that that situation was not my fault and I'm a good person and I'm a safe person. What that person called me, that other therapist called me, was totally wrong and degrading. So that was a really difficult situation. How
1: did you get through that? You go to someone for support who does this for a living, and you just get made to feel like a nobody or worse. Like, how do you get through that moment? If someone out there right now listening dealt with that last week, what would you say to them as a friend?
0: I would say get a new therapist. Get a new fucking therapist. <laughs> because that person is not talk, does not know what they're talking about, and it was at a school too. So I was just very frustrated that it was at a school. Um, I I left the school. Yeah. For good reasons. Yeah. Not only because of that, but other reasons. But like I think that if someone doesn't know you well enough, they can't make judgments like that. Um, and when you specifically say vulnerable information, people, especially professionals, who judge and say those things, that is not their job. That's really unethical.
1: Yeah.
0: So finding someone who understands and who can be there for you without judgment is really important. And main thing that I'd want people to know is that they deserve that. They deserve to have someone that they click with and that understands what they're going through, at least in a sense that is willing to help them heal.
1: What is um, anything positive over the last, I guess it seems like you've had a really intense year or like a lot of things have been coming up for you, which I hope is part of the recovery process, just a a difficult part of the recovery process. What do you look forward to the most as you look to set symptoms aside and give yourself a better future?
0: I think the most important thing that I see is I look forward to having a group of students and a classroom of kids that I could make a difference with. Um, uh, ASD is a growing uh, disability. Autism? Yes. Um, they uh, are now, it's now Autism Spectrum Disorder. There's okay. a big spectrum. And it's, it's very important to me as having a family member with ASD to spread awareness and understanding that these, these kids can have successful lives with the proper help and assistance that they need. Um, and giving them that, that support and being able to do that is the most rewarding thing for me. And I have a year and a half left after this semester. Yeah. And then hopefully I'll get a job in, a, in the state, in the school systems, the city schools, and be able to work with these kids and show them that they deserve to get the help that they need. And that even though they have a disability, that doesn't define them.
1: Do you feel that way with your eating disorder? Like you can look in the mirror metaphorically and say, bulimia doesn't define me, it's something I'm dealing with, but it's it's not my
0: identity. Or is that a little hard to do right now? Um, It's hard, but I know intellectually that it's not who I am. It is something I'm dealing with. I think I have more trouble with the PTSD. Than but, with the like purging and all that yeah, shit? Yeah. Because um, I feel like there's a harder sense of control with the PTSD mm-hmm. versus there's more of a sense of control with the bulimia. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. But that sense of control on the food part is why it's hard to stop, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a cycle, oh. but I'm, I'm trying really hard to work on it. And I've, um, even though I've struggled the most this week in a, in a long time, it's still not as bad as it was a year ago. Really?
1: Mm-hmm. Is that because of uh, some of the skills that you said you're very familiar with? Yes, but I also feel like it has to do with work and purpose. purpose. Yeah, it's a powerful thing, having a purpose in the morning, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's just really hard for me because um, I grew up to know that work was the only purpose in someone's life. Like that mm-hmm. is what made you mm-hmm. because of my family and how successful they are now based on their work mm-hmm. and how much effort and interest they put into it. So for me, there's a lot of pressure there, and I've always had a lot of pressure into working. There's a saying that, uh,
1: obviously it can be a dark thing, but there's a saying that pressure is a privilege, that there's a lot of people out there that no one expects anything of them. I wonder if, not if they have it worse than you or not, but what that must feel like to wake up in the morning and the whole world expects absolutely nothing, you know? Are you able to find anything positive in that pressure, or is it just kind of a
0: grind for you? It's hard because it reminds me of how much I need to push myself to be that person. Yeah. And if I somehow lose my job or I'm not working anymore, then I'm not worthy Mm. of their love and their support. Makes it feel conditional. Yeah. And I know they don't intend to do that, but it just seems like it.
1: How would you, if you were in a situation 10 years from now, when, uh, if, and you had kids, uh, how would you try to get them to strive to achieve and see their potential without making the affection and
0: the love feel conditional? Like, how would you do it differently? I would always give them the affection and love no matter what, no matter if they um, made mistakes or if they did really well on an exam or if, you know, they are struggling with their self-esteem, no matter what, I will always give them that love yeah. that they want and need. Right, Especially, you know, as they develop, the young, like young, like the younger they are, the more important it is because in their development, there's this attachment factor there. And to create that positive attachment, totally like, Reflects how things will be later on in life. Yeah. And I know that because I didn't have that. And I want to make sure that my kids and even the kids that I work with have that. Because currently, right now, um, working with toddlers, we also provide that nurturing and that right. caring environment. Um, it may be different when I'm, you know, working with older kids, but like it's really important to be able to give that. Nurture to these kids that need it. How young can
1: you tell if someone might be on the spectrum? I don't know a lot about autism. I'm curious to know.
0: Um, You can tell really early on. Really? um, Yeah, early stages. Um, The earlier it is, the better. Um, And there are certain signs. um, So, like, there's going to be repetitive, restrictive behaviors. So, like, they'll like to do things over and over again. Um, Maybe, like, um, lining lining cans up like spray cans up or like Mm. lining anything up um and looking at it and staring at it and doing it over and over again that is a sign with um there may be also some sensory concerns with like overstimulation or understimulation um and like they may have social communication deficits where like they don't know how to communicate with others and they may use certain behaviors to try, mm-hmm. but they don't understand how to communicate, and some may be nonverbal, some may be verbal. It really depends. Well, wow. um, I've seen diagnoses as early as um, two years old. Really? Yeah. Um, some have like signs earlier, um, but there's been like a lot of people who have had the diagnosis of starting at two. My brother was three. And then you can intervene earlier? Is that kind of the positive side of finding it? Yes, you can um, help the students set goals, um, put them in the right setting that they need to be in. Um, like, for example, they may need to be um, with less students so they have more one-on-one attention. Sometimes they may be in an inclusion program where they have paraprofessionals there with them or they may just need a couple of staff members extra to focus on them. It really depends on their level of functioning. And I think it's really important to get that early intervention because the earlier the intervention, the easier it will be for uh, later on in life and their accommodations and stuff. What's the
1: most rewarding thing about, I know you're only studying it so far, but what's the most rewarding thing about working with kids? Because I just think kids are the most fun in the world.
0: The smiles on their faces, especially when you help them with something that they... You... Do you guys know where Tower B is? There is none. <laughs> there <laughs> you know is none. No, it's one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, okay. Oh, that's Tower One. It will be over there. Okay. Thank and it's on the eighth floor. Oh, thank you. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Greens directions of all time. Where's
1: Tower B? There is none. I was like, this is going down, people. This is going down right now. We're looking at Twilight Zone. <laughs> you were so forceful about it. You're like, there is none. <laughs> well, because they probably didn't realize what we were doing. <laughs> no, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> we have it preserved for posterity. Yeah. I don't know. There's nothing happier in the world than a happy kid, right? Yeah, they're going the wrong way, but you know. Oh, Go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, figure it out. We all have cool cell phones. Out, but, but, um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. After we said all the serious stuff, we feel like they're going the wrong way. Um. All right, so I've been dragging you through this for over an hour. Now. I want to give you a chance to kind of say something positive or a, or a final thought to anyone else who's listening or anyone else who's maybe hearing Kel's album for the first time, Hate Becoming, available on iTunes. Um, what, is your, what is your hope and your wish and maybe any kind of advice um, to someone who's deep in that struggle right now and wondering, like, do I have an eating disorder? I've been through some shit. What do I do? People don't believe me, et cetera, et cetera. Someone really deep in the dark.
0: I think the most important thing is don't give up and just keep fighting. And there's always that one person who will listen and who will be there. Honestly, um, I think a big help for me was searching um, a website that basically you could put in your insurance and you can put in certain issues and you find a therapist that fits your needs that takes off that.
1: Can you send that to me later and I'll put it in the description box? Yes. Awesome. Is, uh, We're all about resources. And I know that there's some people, like you talked about, it don't always want you want to be told about a tool. Like, sometimes I just want to be heard. Um, and then there's people that are like, I'm sick of talking about this, I want some tools to actually get better. Like you can be on any side of it, right? Depending on I guess the, the style of the therapist that
0: you've been with. I've been with a lot too. Like, yeah. I've had all different types and all different kinds. And for someone who's looking for skills, um, You can search DBT, again, dialectical behavioral therapy, online, and there'll be so many resources to find different skills you can use. Um, And if you're in severe distress, my suggestion would be to um, use the temperature skill, which would be like grabbing um, an ice pack and putting it on your face. If you don't have an ice pack, just grab ice cubes, put it in a bag, and put it on your face, your neck, or... It also works put on your thigh. Cuts. Really? Yeah, it'll it'll calm the anxiety and it also like calms the stimulation of the strong emotion. Um, from there, you know, just using distraction skills can also help. Um, that's just like for in the moment, and mm-hmm. then there's always crisis lines for like really intense situations. Um, and I think to know that there's always help out there and there's always someone that cares. Um, Even if I don't know the person, I care about them because I feel like it's important to give a message out there that they're not alone. And there are many support groups for eating disorders as well as trauma online. And being able to find those is also just a search away of the internet. Um, I think just knowing that they're not alone and like, also being able to feel like they're safe in their environment and knowing that is important. Um, And also giving messages to each other that they're um, grounded. So like grounding yourself and like looking around your environment and seeing what you see, hear, touch, feel, taste, smell. That also helps. Working with the five senses
1: and kind of, does it kind of get you out of your mind a little bit? Basically engaging the senses?
0: It does, and it also makes me realize where I am. Because sometimes with trauma, you feel like you're back in the, where, where it happened. The regression. Yes, um, and or flashbacks or anything like that. So being able to ground yourself and realize where you are is important. And that's what the five senses comes in. And it's like a quick thing that you can use. Thing that I learned important is keep your eyes open.
1: Really, just yes. literally, physically, just don't slam your eyes shut and disappear.
0: Correct. Um, because your eyes open can sense everything around you, like with the the eyes. (laughs) Uh, And it's important because then I recognize, okay, there's this big picture of a controller right there and you know, there's a microwave and a game. So I realize, okay, well, this stuff was not there when I had that happen to me. So I know that I'm safe currently and it, it just, is important because it's not happening
1: right now yeah yeah well I think it's been amazing talking to you and you have this uh um this will to survive and this will to get through it and to and this tendency to analyze and say okay this is the way it feels but what's really happening and to think your way through things that I think is um just really powerful so I want to thank you for um thank you so much for being on the program can you give the people at home uh, just one last reason to support the foundation? How, what it's what it's meant to you and stuff like that.
0: Um, it's given me hope, and I think it's really important, especially since um, there are not many efforts out there to actually um, spread awareness. You have a lot of like huge things, like huge companies, but I think it's more about reaching people, and this one to me i think what stood out the most is Mm -hmm. what you said which would be if i reach one person and that matters and you don't hear that a lot with the bigger companies and i really was very grateful when you said that because it was very personal and it also showed me how much she meant to you and how much this was important to her and i think that with that this foundation is really important to me and I'm really glad that I got to know it
1: and you. Thank you. Awesome. Anything last thing that you want to say or you feel like you're
0: tapped out? I think I'm good. You think I'm good? <laughs> yeah. Get the music behind the mission. Best thing ever. Hate The Coming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table. Join the movie. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is proud. All right.